is JPL, right? That's uh, yeah. that's NASA's Jet Propulsion uh, Laboratory. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's the main building there. That's JPL, and here uh, the noise that you're hearing that's uh, the fountain. Uh, the, there is a a water fountain that in the summer you know keeps uh, water flowing all day long. Uh, we call this the JPL Plaza. So you see there are several uh, um, several um, chairs and you know uh, tables that people can use to work. The the, the building where, where I work is this one here. As you see, there are, there are no windows. That's why we like to, to work out outdoors. Why are there uh, no windows? Is it top secret? <laughs> well, maybe it started like that. Questions. Now that building is not used. I mean, if it started as a top secret thing, it's not yeah. used top secret things anymore. I mean, that's the the astrophysics wing. Uh, but JPL itself is a very big place. You're only seeing a very tiny part of it. Wow. And there yeah. are deer. Yeah, and the deer. Deer yeah. all around the building. And they have their own <laughs> Twitter account. I can't believe they it. have a Twitter account. I'm totally checking that That's, out. Yeah, the, the whole place is much bigger than this. There are about 5,000 people working in here. Wow. Uh, several, yeah, there are there are even uh, uh, places I cannot go in because I'm, I'm not a, a U.S. national. Uh, oh, wow. Exactly. You know, so uh, uh, we need a badge to walk in every single door. There's this badge here. Yeah. This badge. Exactly. This badge here opens my building and uh, a few other things in the whole complex. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well. Right. I'm recording right now because I thought it was cool to have an audio tour of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. <laughs> uh, right. Want to say your name? Introduce yourself. All right. Okay. Um, I'm I'm Vladimir Lyra. Uh, actually, that's how the name sounds in English. In Portuguese, or I'm I'm Brazilian, right? Ah. So in Portuguese, my name is uh, uh, Vladimir Lyra. And you know it kind of changes with with uh, with languages, um, uh, but in English I usually go by Vlad. So uh, please, I mean, like you can call me uh, Vlad. Sure. Yeah. And <laughs> and what do you do for NASA? I can't believe NASA being a big astronomy buff that I am. What yeah. do you do at NASA, you lucky kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm an astronomer, right? Uh, I started working here in NASA two years ago. That's my second postdoc. Um, so it second is common. Second postdoc? Meaning you have yeah. a PhD and you're doing another one? Uh, no, is no, no. Uh, post okay. Well, how it works in, in, in research is that after we do the PhD, uh, we go doing uh, research contracts, one uh. research contract after another until we land a uh, faculty job. So uh, lots of people in astronomy, they are striving to get a faculty job. Mm. And then before we get into that kind of job, we go doing postdocs. That's what we call. A postdoc is any research contract that you get after your PhD and before you actually get hired in a, a university or an observatory or a place like, like here also, uh, uh, JPL. So I finished my PhD in Sweden. I, I, I did my PhD in Sweden wow. in, in, in astrophysics. I finished in March 2009, and I've been doing postdocs since. The usual postdocs, two years. So I did a first postdoc in New York City. I had the chance to stay there in New York City if, if I wanted, 
but then I, you know, I was offered the the, the, uh, the second postdoc here, and then I, you know, I like uh, um, I um, I. I like uh, uh, California, and working at NASA was always uh, an ambition. So mm. it seemed like a very good job, and it's a very good uh, postdoctoral grant that I got. You may have heard of Carl Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know him personally, I guess. <laughs> well, he, he's dead. So Luigi Bard, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but my grant is actually named F. After him, I'm a, a Carl Sagan post postdoctoral fellow. Wow! So uh, in a, in astronomy, in the field that I work on, which is the field of exoplanets, it's one of the best postdoctoral grants to have, if not the best one. Is that because we've never really landed on one, seen one, or like <laughs> we've seen it, quote unquote? You can see with math and I guess spectrometers or some other technology. I'm probably not saying the right terms, but yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't seen details on or the surface. Or basically, what I'm trying to say is an emerging field. Right, right. We uh, well, they're very far away, right? So uh, <laughs> just a bit. yeah, we there are some of them that we can see, uh, but we see them as a single pixel, as one yeah, single dot, yeah. right? Sure, we don't sure. have that the very silly thing that I said. Through. To resolve anything, so yeah, yeah, uh, we know the planets from the solar system, right? We we, we send spacecraft to all uh, all the other seven planets of the solar system. Uh, Pluto is not a planet, as you may I, know. Six. <laughs> I what's that word? Debate that. <laughs> I grew up with it as a planet, therefore it has to stay as a planet. Well, that's I, the type I'll, of logic I have. <laughs> Uh, when I was young, Pluto it's was a dwarf planet. planet. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But uh, uh, <laughs> astronomically speaking, actually, it doesn't really make much sense oh, okay. to call Pluto a planet because uh, it's not the dominant uh, body in its orbit. It shares its orbit with several other bodies. Uh, Is that the Kuiper so Belt or or uh, or the moons yeah, that share on? And that's uh, the Kuiper Belt. Yeah. yeah. So Pluto I is mispronounced it. Kuiper Belt. <laughs> No, actually, you are not. No, no. I mean, it, it, it's Dutch name. So it's actually in English oh. that we say you wrong. I mean, like we say, uh, we say Kuiper in English, but actually Kuiper. him, uh, uh, oh, Gerald, uh, Gerald Kuiper was Dutch, right? Mm. So I won't dare. I mean, I will not. I will not. Uh, well, yeah, I won't dare to say. I mean, to try to say it in Dutch. But when I was in Europe, I, I had many Dutch uh, colleagues, and you know, I asked them to, you know, once tell me how to say his name right, and it was something unpronounceable, but yeah. it sounded yeah. like Kuiper. That's <laughs> usually with the Dutch, yeah, yeah like Huygens or Huygens, that other one. Yeah, Huygens. Yeah. Yeah. Was something. that a Dutch one? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, now that we've lost half of my audience, all three of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should talk about <laughs> stuttering. What, uh, do you <laughs> stutter? <laughs> you seem pretty mild right now. You're like me sometimes. Um, yeah, has stuttering ever gone in the way of your work, or was it a problem growing up? Or? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for um, for calling it mild. Um, but there are days that I don't feel that it's a mild stutter yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, there are ups and downs, I guess, and situations when it becomes worse. Uh, 
and situations when it is fine. So when I when I grew up, uh, I mean when I was uh, a kid growing up, uh, it was already there. I started stuttering since I uh, since I can remember basically since I started to speak around age uh, three or four. My earliest memory, I guess, or the stuttering was or already there. And it was a big problem when I was uh, growing up, not because I found it a problem itself, but because I, you know, even, even as a kid, you can notice that the other people think it is a problem. And especially among family and, you know, things that you hear growing up and, and uh, in school, I would say that I didn't get much support back then. Um, of course, my parents were concerned about it. I was put in in therapy, right, in, in speech therapy from an early age, and I was pretty fluent by age 10, I guess, I mean, uh, yeah, it was a heavy stuttering from age 6 until 10 or so, uh, but the speech therapy did a good job, and I remember being very fluent when I was about 10, and then I did the mistake of stop going to mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, therapy, and I also changed uh, uh, you know, the, the turn that I went to school, like from, from morning to, to afternoon. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to go to school in the afternoon, yeah, when I was a kid. And then around age 10, yeah, the, 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 the turn shift and I started going in the morning. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the schedule didn't really fit well. I don't remember precisely why, but I, I stopped going to, to therapy. And within one or two years, it came back, right? And through teenage, uh, I didn't do speech therapy at, at all. Uh, 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 and then, of course, it only got worse uh, and worse. To the point that I remember an all-time low in uh, about age 15 or 16. And I had to do a, a presentation at school. And uh, I really couldn't put five words together in the, in the, in the same sentence without blocking uh, heavily. Uh, is stuttering basically in every second or, or third uh, uh, word. Um, and it's one of the, the darkest memories that I, get, that I have, I must say, because it was, uh, you know, the kids that I went to, to high school for three years, uh, well, some, some of them actually were even friends from, from elementary uh, school times. And uh, in a class of 30 kids, and I was there trying to get the words out, and at some point it was just too much for even them to, 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 uh, to try to, to follow. And then, you know, all of them, I mean, the first one uh, is uh, started to laugh, and then all of a sudden, the whole class right, was oh, no. uh, just laughing too. Yeah, indeed, yeah. So, uh, in, in Brazil, there is this thing. It's like uh, people are are not really too educated on, on, uh, on the sensitivities, right, that, that, that we have concerning that. Uh, uh, I mean, there are, there are still uh, in Brazil comedy shows where the, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, where, you know, the, the, the way that the, uh, the artist draws Homer is by uh, imitating a person who, who stutters. So the Brazilian version of The Simpsons, Homer stutters? No. <laughs> Did I say that? No, no, no. I mean, like oh, that's. Oh, I misunderstood. Oh my sorry. gosh, that's where's my brain? Uh, well, maybe I. I <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Homer? No, no, a person who stutters. For some reason, I heard Homer. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
accent combined with with the they said no, it's called long work day. <laughs> it's called having a long work day. No, no, I said that are shows on TV that yeah, like some there are comedy shows on TV that the uh, the humor is is that the the, the comedian is imitating a person who stutters. Yeah. yeah. Indeed, and yeah, we we grow up with that. So I, I only really saw myself a bit uh, uh, more free, you know, to 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 uh, to express myself uh, when I left. Actually, man, like when I left Rio, when I went to to Europe and and uh, and here to to the U.S. by 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 some reason, changing language uh, helped it quite much. Yeah. So I I, start, I tend to stutter less in English than in Portuguese. Yeah, that's pretty um, common. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, weird, I'm still yeah. trying to understand why. Indeed. Yeah. But well, but to be honest, not that much anymore. I mean, like as with the the fluency that comes with being more free to speak in English. When I go back home to 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 Brazil, you know, it takes me some days to get into the uh, um, the right gear. But when I finally do, I I am comfortable with the way that I speak. But when it comes to work, yes, I, I mean, uh, going back to, to your question, when it comes to work, um, yeah, on a one-on-one -on -one conversation with friends, it tends to be mild, uh, but sometimes when I'm giving a talk, uh, if I get too nervous, it can actually go into a stuttering, uh, 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 heavy mode, right? Um, and... I, you know, there are, as I said, there are days and days, right? There are ups and, and downs. There are talks that, that go fine. There are talks that go crap. And, you know, I, I try to not let the, the, uh, the bad days linger too much in, in my memory. And then I focus on the, uh, the good days. And basically, that's how I, I keep going. Um, I'm working on getting my talks um, in a more fluent way, I mean, like uh, to to tape my, my my talks so that I can see myself on uh, on video. I mean, like the the video and the the audio, yeah. and then you know see what went wrong, and then the next time that I I I give a talk, then I I, I try to not repeat the same mistakes. Yeah, why I find watching yourself on video helps. That's true. To pinpoint when I first started podcasting, listening to myself, um, I found that uh, it helped me catch myself as I was speaking in real life. After you no, know, after long after recording an episode, um, mm -hmm. that I would catch, I know myself, and I'd be able to <laughs> do so have some sort of control. So yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. I have a silly question to ask you. Alright. <laughs> Related to stuff. There is no. And true, that's right. For scientists, yeah, there is no. Such, no a, silly a, yeah, there is no such thing as a silly question. We say, I mean, like there, there are only um, silly answers. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one is probably going to break uh, the rules. So, exoplanets. You've mentioned exoplanets. Those are the planets um, outside of our solar system, correct? Yeah. That's correct. Um, so. We discover an exoplanet that has life on it. We somehow make contact. Um, how would how would uh, you 
think we could be able to tell if the alien that we're speaking to is stuttering or not. <laughs> would they stutter? Would aliens stutter? Would they have a stuttering issue? And how, how would they know if they're talking to you? You're the one that happens to be speaking to them and you're stuttering. I have uh, maybe they think that's our language. Maybe we think their language is ba 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 ba. You know, you never know. Uh, well, I don't know. So, how uh, you, so how's that for a postdoc thing? Yeah. Well, yeah, there would be a great research. Maybe not on science, but on on uh, linguistics or speech. Uh, uh, true. True. Pathology, maybe. But I, I must say that. Um, I remember when I was in Germany the first time, you know, like when I was working there. Uh, I was immediately after the the, um, um, the undergrad, and uh, uh, I remember like the first week that I was there, and I, I was watching TV, and there was a an interview show, and even though I didn't speak a word of German, I could tell that that the person being interviewed was having blocks. Oh and, wow! Huh? And, and, and uh, yeah, and repetitions. So I guess that it's possible, you know, to to recognize it even in a language that you don't know. <laughs> it was quite obvious. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> uh, okay, another question. It's not a stupid question at all. So, uh, for any listeners that might be interested in astronomy, a career in astronomy, any advice, or if they're, you know, wanting to get into NASA, <laughs> uh, any <laughs> advice that you would give them, you know, and these would be, uh, you know, listeners who stutter, of course. Right, yeah. Or even those who don't. I mean, you know, yeah. who doesn't want to work for NASA? <laughs> well, I say that in your path, you're going to find many people who will say that there are things that you cannot do because of the, um, uh, the stuttering. I would say don't believe them. Because if, uh, if I had done so, I mean, I heard many times that there were things that I couldn't do. And if I had uh, believed them, I wouldn't be here now. So, you know, um, just go on. I mean, um, there will be fluent moments and there will be these fluent moments. Try not to, try not to let the, the non-fluent moments uh, bring you down. Uh, and... And you will notice eventually that people don't really care about it as much as we do. That's one thing that, that you know, that, um, that I notice. You know, when you are a teenager, people are teasing and bullying. Uh, but, you know, they usually do that because they're feeling bad about themselves. Not because you, there is something wrong uh, about you, you know. That, that's not really the, the case. And as we, we, we grow older, we tend to, you know, to, to, to get wiser, right? So, I mean, like, not everybody, but <laughs> most of us tend <laughs> to... to ask about alien stuttering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, as you grow older, people, you know, people will just uh, not feel the need to, to tease and to, to bully, to, to make themselves feel better. And... And especially in science, what matters most is how smart you are, right? I mean, it's it's not really if you can if you can uh, deliver a, a flawless talk, but if you can do your job um, 
well, right? And most of, of your job will not be talking, will be sitting in your desk, you know, and trying to, to understand the, the, uh, the universe. There will be a lot of, of, um, of um, interaction, yes, but most of them one-on-one -on -one or in, in small meetings. Uh, but most of the research will be done, you, your computer and the sheet um, of paper, uh, or you and a, a telescope if you are a, an observer. So the, the amount of time that we spend speaking to, to an audience, like in a, in a talk, is not really that much, right? Now, uh, as, you, as you continue in the, uh, the career, at some point you will have to teach, right? Uh, and I mean, I myself don't have uh, much experience on that. I mean, like I have been mostly doing uh, research uh, so far. But teaching is something that I had uh, done also in the in the past. When 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 I was working in New York, I had to to teach, and also when when I was in in grad uh, school, I also had to TA, which is uh, um, teaching a, a citizenship, and these things come uh, with experience, right? Uh, uh, the first course that I gave. I was so nervous every single time. I mean, every every single lecture that I went there, I was uh, having to to control myself. I was feeling adrenaline, you know, through my my uh, my blood. I was shaking. I was nervous. I could feel the cold uh, sweat. Ah, I hate and, that feeling. <laughs> it was it was really tough. Yeah, the first yeah. course. The second course was much better. Right. The second course, you know, I mean, you. I already knew what to, to say. I had already done it uh, before. The third and the fourth courses that I gave were a stroll in, in the park. You know, they were uh, easy. And uh, by the end, I was liking to teach. And, uh, you know, I, I, being a person who stutters, I, I, I couldn't see myself when I was a teenager in front of, of that class laughing at me that 15 years later I would be uh, teaching to, 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 to kids of, you know, of the, the same age range. Uh, they were high school kids and, uh, and, and actually liking the fact that I was there, you know. Uh, so it all comes with experience. The more talks you, you give, the better the talks will be. Uh, so that's my, my, uh, my advice. Don't care much about uh, um, these stuttering moments, right? They are they are few and 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 far in in between uh, in your everyday job, right? And then when it comes to talks, you know, uh, rehearse, rehearse, and rehearse. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Practice makes perfect, as you say. One more question, then I will let you go back to your work and your deer. <laughs> the Jet Propulsion Laboratory deer. Which is your favorite... Okay, two questions. Which is your favorite planet in the sky? Oh, my favorite planet? Yeah. Well, I like planet Earth. I, I live on it. <laughs> Besides Earth. Besides Earth. Been right. there, done that. <laughs> well, um... Well, the planets are, are very interesting. Every single one of them can be very interesting. 
Saturn is very beautiful to look through a, uh, a telescope because of the, the rings. Jupiter is magnificent because of the, the moons and the, uh, the atmosphere. I mean, like you can, you can watch the turbulence in the atmosphere of Jupiter in the course of one night. And, and the moons, right? There are four big moons, four gigantic moons. Uh, and, and you can see all of them through the, the telescope, you know. And if you, if you observe Jupiter night after night, you can see the moons dancing, you know, yeah. doing their, their dance uh, uh, around Jupiter. And Neptune, Neptune, uh, Neptune is a fascinating planet. I'd say that Neptune uh, is a very captivating planet. It's, a, it's, a, it's far away, uh, so far away that, that the first time the, the uh, that we, you know, I mean, the first time that, that we saw any detail in it was when we actually sent a, a probe there back in 1989. And it does have a special place in my, in my heart because I was a kid when, the, when that happened and I, and I, I re remember seeing it on TV and seeing the, the pictures uh, that the Voyager 2 was sending back from Neptune, and the blue color, Neptune is a very blue planet, so it reminds a bit of home, even though it's a planet that is much, much bigger and, and much colder. So, yeah, I like Jupiter and Saturn, but Neptune, Neptune, I think, who I would say that is my, my f favorite planet. <laughs> favorite constellation. Favorite constellation? Well, constellations are stars, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> favorite grouping of stars how about that <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's um and don't say your zodiac sign listeners there uh constellations are random uh patterns of stars yeah. in, in in the sky yeah <laughs> they're not really yeah i mean like, we see them closer to each other when they are um projected um on um, on on the sky uh so they're not linked to each other um, gravitationally, but we see them close, so then, yeah, they, they make uh, patterns in the sky, because when we see them from Earth, the stars are so far away that we, we lose the, the perception of depth, right, <laughs> of the, the third um, dimension. I have a feeling that I've um, hit a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, with that's that fine. question. <laughs> just, just to, to clarify that. Well, yes, uh, constellations. I mean, there are some that are pretty beautiful. I actually like very much uh, the uh, the Southern Cross, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm from the the Southern uh, Hemisphere, right? So uh, uh, I grew up with the the Southern Cross in the sky. And it's a very beautiful constellation, quite compact, four stars that are very bright, and one fifth uh, star that is a bit dimmer, breaking the symmetry, quite beautiful constellation. There are other two constellations that are quite beautiful in the sky of the southern uh, um, hemisphere also, which are um, the Scorpion and Sagittarius. You can actually see them here from Canada. California, yeah, I mean, like not much from from Canada because they are too far south. But here, from from the the window of my my apartment in in California, I can see them on clear nights. Uh, they are qu quite beautiful. Yeah, the the um, the scorpion, 
And of course, uh, well, Lyra, so I guess that it's my, uh, my personal consolation. <laughs> I also okay. like it quite much. Because, yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it is my last name, but it also has uh, Vega, which is one of the brightest stars of the northern um, hemisphere. It's 26 light years away from, from Earth. And it's, it's a prominent star in a novel by Carl Sagan, Contacts. Uh, you are asking, right? I mean, like, how did the, I mean, you you asked the, uh, uh, about aliens, right? How we would <laughs> if we saw aliens in exoplanets? Contact is a fantastic novel. It's uh, it 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 it, uh, it details what I think would really be how a, a first contact with an alien civilization most likely would be. Did they stutter in the novel? <laughs> in the novel. No, I don't remember they uh, having anyone who stirred in, in the novel. Though there is a, a character that is blind. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. This so this was fun. I'm I'm gonna have to go unfortunately, but I would love to talk more astronomy. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand In other words, darling, kiss me Fill my heart with song and So we're moving now from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California and we're going to go to the other side of the United States in Boston where my next guest works on the eyeballs for all the space telescopes floating around the Earth. Hello, would you like to uh, live on the edge and tell me your name, tell us your name. Hi, my name is Danette, my name is Danette Fitzgerald and I, I'm an optical engineer. I work at MIT Lincoln Lab. And what, and what, uh, and what do you do as an optical engineer or optic engineer? Lens engineer. So, Lens girl. As, an, <laughs> as an optical engineer, um, I align and test um, optics and optical systems for space telescopes. So I, I build um, test sets and um, um, test optics and analyze the data and uh, assemble them in, into optical assemblies. How do you test them? I, I mean, don't the space telescopes have to be in space or do you use software? Um, well, as we're building up, as we're building up the telescopes, we test each optic individually because it each has they each have specifications that they each need to pass before you build them up. Oh. Interesting. Um, and, yeah, and sometimes um, to mimic the space environment, we'll test in thermal vacuum chambers, which brings which um, brings the the unit you're testing to. Um, um, the vacuum environment of space and the thermal temperatures that we'll see in space. You mean you mean uh, Kelvin, like zero Kelvin? It depends on where you're going in space, on how how high up you're going. Mm. Uh, be close to the sun, it's hotter. If it's going to be away from True. the sun, it's cool. Um, oh wow! So how yeah. does one get a job like this? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, so, I can't um, imagine there is like an ad in the paper or on a job board somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. So I was interested in physics in, in high school. Um, so I, I majored in, in engineering physics in college. And um, within that, I liked optics the best. Um, in, during college, I randomly took Astronomy 101 and realized that that was an application of optics. And then I did some uh, NASA internships um, during the summers in college. And um, wow. kept, kept in touch with my supervisor from, from there who um, ne um, networked me to a bunch of companies that work with NASA. Wow, so networking worked for you. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Yeah. Has and that worked um, between jobs when I when I moved bet between jobs, um, getting my next job uh, networking really helped. Oh wow! So so you've always worked in well in the field that you studied your passion. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a fan for um, you know focusing on one field and being really interested in it and and mm. growing in that one field. Becoming the expert, yeah, great stuff. Has your stuttering ever been a challenge or gone in the way, maybe during school or during your internships, getting work, your job? In I'm assuming there are job interviews over in the <laughs> in the space telescope industry. <laughs> so, so it's definitely um um made me nervous a little bit at times. Um, so so I'm I'm what you would call a covert stutterer, mm. in that um. In, in that I have a mild stutter which um which I subconsciously use avoidances um, and substitute words um, so, so so that not everybody knows that I stutter for 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 example when I um uh, when I go to the annual NSA conference and sometimes when I tell people that I'm going they ask why because they say I don't stutter and I have to prove <laughs> that I do um, so I, I try <laughs> I try to use avoidances less and less um, uh, um, working on that in my speech therapy um, and try to desensitize myself to stuttering um, but so um, so the the reason that I might get nervous about stuttering at work is because um, nobody knows that I stutter so if I all of a sudden stutter on one random word here or there I get worried about what people may think is happening so and you've never, why? So you've never advertised that work or have a uh, picture of the NSA friends on your wall or anything like that? No, I, like I, I, mean, I mean, when you tell them that you're going to an NSA conference and all that, or I do advertise to to some people. Um, if it comes up in 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 context uh, and if yeah. I feel like relevant, um, and I actually do have. Uh, right. uh, I know it's a controversial thing that stutters talk about, but I have um the NSA on my resume as a extracurricular activity. I'm actually a chapter leader for my local Beautiful. area. Beautiful. That's I perfect to have on a resume because it shows that you're a leader. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I have that on my resume so my um, my, my supervisor um, knows that I stutter because she saw it there and brought it up. So yeah. that makes me feel a bit more comfortable talking to her. Strategic. <laughs> yes. Um, though, though I do tend to stutter more with authority figures, like such as mm. my boss, my boss's boss. Right, because um, emotions fuel the stuttering. Yeah, yeah. Right. I have, uh, I have, I have the same thing too. Where um, I always have to remind myself, 
they go to the bathroom just like I I do. They're not they're nobody special, <laughs> but I do find I do find uh, going back to um, you know it's hard to bring up stuttering in the, in an appropriate context at work because in the workplace you're there to do your job, not to talk about yourself, right? Like really, <laughs> you know. Right. So it, so it's really hard to uh, you know sometimes throw that in there about um, uh, stuttering and uh, such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll bring it up at work mostly with people who I'm like friends with at work, mm. and we talk about other things all the time. So I may end up telling some of them that I that yeah. I stutter. Yeah. So going back to your job, what's your typical day like? I mean, I can't. Even, I are you actually creating the lenses or? This is so interesting for me. <laughs> um. So what's my typical day like? Um, lots of firefighting. Lots of um, oh really? You, you think you have a plan of what you're going to do that day, and then a whole bunch of other things come up that you have to tackle wow. that that day. Sounds um, like my job, and my job isn't building space stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, I really got to stop interrupting. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, that's fine. So there are um so um. There's usually meetings, like daily meetings that you'll have to catch up with the whole team of what all the different functions of people have been working on. Um, I'll have some, I'll have some, I'll have some computer work um, in that I'll need to write procedures for any tests I'm going to be doing. Um, you need to plan everything out beforehand so that um, so um, so that so that you know what you're going to be doing and you have traceability of what yeah. what you did. And then um, some some lab work where you may um, be doing some optical alignment. Um, you may be doing some testing. Um, you may um, and then and then the data that I'll take in those tests. I'll need to you know it'll all come in an Excel spreadsheet, and I'll need to go analyze and graph the data and figure out what it means if 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 that optic is is good or bad, and if it's you know bad, what can we do to fix it? Um, and um, and then actually designing the test sets and um, ordering all the equipment that that we may need to to build the test set, and um, defining what what that may be. Um, wow, sounds like a lot of talking on uh, the job. <laughs> a, lo a lot of collab 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 collaboration. Yeah, I, I get to talk to a people in a lot of different functions um, to, to do a lot of different types of things. So, so um, yeah, yeah, I'm talking to a lot of different people during the day. This is so cool and interesting. Have you ever seen um, any of the photos taken from the space telescopes that you've um, had had a role in, had a hand in? And um, what not did it feel like? <laughs> um, so I've never seen data from the ones that I've specifically worked on. Oh, my okay. my favorite. Let me just add in that my favorite um, um, picture taken by the Hubble is of the Eagle ne Nebula. I um, should know this. I should know this one. I I subscribe to an astronomy magazine, and they always have it in there. <laughs> Where in the sky so that, for listeners to that's look? That's the up one with the three pillars. It's oh yes, yeah. That's that big famous one. That's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta remember to add that in the show notes for this episode. Oh yeah, 
That's so a good idea. Nebula. Yeah, so when I was in college, I'm learning one of the software programs that we use to analyze data. Um, I did a project on it. We got to pick something to do our project on, and I, and I chose that image. Um, wow. So what does that mean, to analyze the data? What exactly are you analyzing? Is it the, like, the um, light spectrum? I know we're starting to get abstract here, but... <laughs> yeah, I think we looked at, like, what, what wavelengths that was showing and um, what the different wavelengths mean like um so um yeah so i really just make the telescopes and hand them off to the astronomers and the the astronomers um figure out you know what they want to take a picture of and what that means but um i worked with a group in college who was looking who were looking at star forming regions so they'd look in infrared wavelengths um to look for specific um, types of elements that that may be emitting light from different areas, and and find out what's going on during the star forming, star wow. formation. Now, in case we've lost any of our listeners, <laughs> when I'm trying to remember from grade, what grade was I in? Nine, maybe even earlier or later. Physics classes, because um, I really enjoyed taking physics too in school. Um, even though I wanted to pursue a degree in it, but never did because of math. <laughs> um, when you look at the star, the color of the stars, uh, like I'm really, I'm really making this a basic, basic, basic <laughs> explanation. The color of the stars can, or the colors that you see in the stars can actually tell you what they're m made of. Which I find fascinating that we could find out all this information about planets and stars and exoplanets and all that meteors from far away <laughs> yeah 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 so um yeah some of the things that that the that the um that the colors some of the things about this the the spectrums that are that we're receiving from from different stars can tell us um, what types of elements are in the stars based on we know what elements will emit at certain wavelengths and um, also from the color of a star we can tell if it's moving toward us and or moving away from us because oh, the color really? it's yeah the color that it's supposed to emit will be shifted just like a uh, just like a siren is is the same thing with a sound wave oh wow if you have an ambulance moving towards you versus an ambulance moving away from you it'll sound different that's right that's right so that demonstrates the same type of thing with sound waves as we see with light waves with stars. And, um, this is too cool. <laughs> and uh, so you mentioned uh, searching for exoplanets. Um, one of the one of the strategies we use to search for exoplanets is we um, any planet will be orbiting a star. So if we see a star in the, in the in the sky, we, there's a certain amount of light getting oh, to us from right. the star. As the planet passes in front of us, we'll get a little, tiny little bit less light from that star. And so if we watch that graph and watch that dip, we can see that there's a planet there and determine how large it is. Holy Max. <laughs> My previous guest that I uh, had who works at the, at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, his specialty is in the exoplanets. And that interview was recorded a few weeks ago, so I don't recall if we really got into the science of it. But it just, again, boggles my mind. It just blows me away. And uh, way back in the 80s, in the ancient times, um, I was so into, I 
what I thought was cool was radio astronomy. When you're listening to the radio waves emitted by planets and such, which has nothing to do with optics, but just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> I just completely forgot. I just remembered now. Uh, well, it's been a while since I even thought of radio astronomy. My gosh. <laughs> well, I actually, I actually worked a little bit with a well, um, with a radio sh a, a, a astronomer professor in 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 college. I learned a little wow. bit about what, what he did and how how the how the technology of their like um, collection dishes are different from from the technology to of a, of a um, visible space telescope or an infrared space telescope. So when you're looking at, to de detect different wavelengths from space, the technology to receive that will will be different. So I forget exactly the details of what I learned from him, but mm. I remember how that was different. Very, very cool. Did you know that you could listen to a meteor shower on the radio? I did not realize that. Yeah, you. Um, if I remember correctly, it's been like over a decade since I last read this. It was something like you go to, you use a shortwave radio, you go to a frequency where there's there's like bare, there's bare, there's barely a signal uh, from some station. And then every time a meteor passes by, you, uh, the station will suddenly come in clear and and then then go back to being distance that's how you can listen <laughs> to a meteor shower which is probably good during the winter time when there's cloud cover but <laughs> oh, oh interesting any adv um, any advice you would give to uh, any listeners who are interested in getting into physics or into astronomy optics optic engineering <laughs> Um, Remember our listeners that that uh, stutter, so maybe maybe have a bit of a stutter angle in in, in there if if uh, right. if applicable. Um, so so I guess I would say um, I'm a fan of of putting the NSA on your resume, um, especially if you um, volunteer or have any type of leadership role. It's um mm. and it, and, it's, and it's definitely an easy way to get to get you're stuttering into the conversation um, without having to bring it up yourself. It's sitting there on the piece of paper and the other person in the interview can bring it up if they if they so choose. I would say um, whether whether you stutter or, or not, whatever you're interested in, you, sh you should definitely um, go into that field and not let anything hold you back from, you know, um, any thoughts that you can't do that field for whatever reason I would say if you're interested in it you know go for it you know major in that in college take take it as many classes as you're interested in and um and go for it I uh, um I've been meaning to do this but I haven't got around to it yet um to Im improve your presentation skills oh, and yeah. other skills with um you know just talking to people at work I, I would recommend joining Toastmasters um um I've, I know I've been meaning to. Do, I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I haven't officially joined yet, but I've been meaning to. <laughs> Does that mean that you do a lot of presentations at work? Uh, I don't do a lot. I, I do like I do some like here or there, but yeah. even just like talking in meetings, just talking informally and like you know giving yeah. a little blurb about PowerPoint you made, um, it would be helpful in 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 that context. Yeah, and I and I would say definitely you know don't be a, don't be afraid of speaking, um, and and show if you know something you know definitely don't be quiet and um 
if you want to, you know, share something at, at, at work, um, you know, definitely speak up and, and make yourself heard. Um, Do you ever find that in meetings, um, I know for me sometimes I find it, it takes me a while to, to get my words out when I'm starting to talk. And it's kind of like um, other people are jumping in before you because they don't stutter. And I'm still trying to start my uh, sentence. Does that ever happen to you? Um, sometimes, yeah. It is I, my 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 stutter. I, it's definitely worse at the beginning of a of a sentence or a phrase. And um, once I get the momentum and I'm speaking, it may go smoother. It's always that beginning that's that's difficult. Um, if people aren't realizing that I'm trying to talk um, by hearing it. Um, then, then maybe doing something uh, visual, like showing that you're trying to talk, um, you know, raising your hand or something. Um, That's a that, good point. That may help people, like, know, like, it's my turn. Like, let me say what I want to say. Yeah, this, this, that topic actually came up at my NSA meeting, meeting last night. We were talking about difficult situations, and we're, we're talking about um, small talk and how to enter into a conversation um, when people are, you know, constantly talking and there's not a lot of pauses to um. Oh, as do tell. Do share. <laughs> do share the tips. So what do people say? Uh, yeah, so we're um, kind of the same thing. We're talking about um, most people wait for a lull in the conversation to, to, to join in. Um, some people, un un unfortunately, will, will let the let um, the opportunity pass by. Um, if Well, if they don't get that lull in the conversation, um, they may not say what they want to say. Um, um, I know I've, um, if I have trouble in the beginning of a word, I may, I may r repeat that first syllable a couple times while other people are talking and someone in the conversation will realize that I'm trying to talk and <laughs> point it out. I've, I have a friend who now are inside joke. He, he, he says, Danette, go. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what is your favorite constellation? Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know if I ever thought about that. I don't know if I have one. Um, um, I don't know a lot of them. I know like the the horoscope ones. Okay. And and I'll bet oh, your horoscope is the constellation that you like, right? <laughs> I, I don't. I I don't know. I would choose some type of pretty animal, maybe. Is there like a swan or something? There is um, one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <That> one. <laughs> this is funny. A question that I asked uh, Vlad was something like um, along the lines of, you know, if we ever make alien contact, so, you know, you've made, a, you know, you've done the test for your lenses for the next space telescope that's being shot up into space. There it is. It's in space and it looks at an exoplanet somewhere and ta-da, there's a civilization. And... We had this <laughs> short discussion about, you know, if they make contact with us, they come down and they're right and they walk right up to you <laughs> at uh, MIT and you stutter. How will they know that's, you know, if stuttering is a norm or if it's not? Or how do we know that the aliens are stuttering? Silly question, do you think? <laughs> that's an interesting question because that's because that's similar to um, 
we were talking about last night. One of one of the people in my chapter has has a um, three has an, a three year old um, who's just learning to talk, and so he's like an alien in that he's never seen people talk before, and and oh. um, and so one of his first experiences seeing people talk is seeing his father stutter. So if that's his first exposure to humans speaking, then he may think that's normal. Wow! And I then never that's that. how people talk. Yeah. Which is something that I've worried about for when I'm a future parent. Mm -hmm. um, how to teach my kid what's normal and speaking, but um. So how how would an alien? So your so your question was, would they know that I'm stuttering? What and happened? we're back. <laughs> I guess the <laughs> aliens found out we were gossiping about them and they kicked you off of <laughs> Google Plus. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, how, uh, how would the aliens... Oh, so oh, I was oh, clear. Oh, that was my question. question. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, I kind of... Would they know that I'm stuttering? It was more of a just a pondering, not really a question. More of just a, just a silly... Bad attempt at me bringing humor into the con <laughs> to the podcast. Um, you know, how would we know? You know, if because they wouldn't be speaking English, I'm assuming. Um, some baby, 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 how do we know if that's stuttering or that's not? Some linguist is probably oh, working hard trying to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or, would their stuttering take the same form? Like, we have. We've had we have three main types of stuttering, right? Repetitions, prolongations, mm -hmm. and hesitations or blocks. Um, like, would they have those same three forms, or would they have some other form that we've never thought of? That's a good question. And so they come down to Earth. They come straight to MIT because they know that's our space headquarters. Not really, but they come to you. And how do you explain stuttering to an alien? <laughs> Man, I can go on for hours with these stupid questions. <laughs> well, so, so first of all, I thought about how we search for aliens, and we make an assumption when we go to search for aliens, we assume that they're going to be carbon-based life forms because that's what we know and that's what we're used to. And so I always think, why can't you just pick any random element on the periodic table and you can build a life form based around that element? And... And so we, we may be needlessly limiting our, our, our search oh, to something that matches what we th see as a carbon-based life form. Like with the SETI, S-E-T-I, uh, that search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And they were using radio telescopes, I think. And I yeah. remember reading somewhere where they said, yeah, but what if this life form communicates through heat or communicates through light or communicate you know in a different way even 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 where i work i work work at a children's hospital for kids with disabilities and they're doing fascinating research where one guy he um he's paralyzed from the neck down and he plays a and he plays a violin through oh, wow. um, computers and he's developing software where or rather technology where he can communicate through his ear because apparently when you think 
there's a very if if I understood correctly um, some way somehow there's a part in your ear that vibrates according to what you're thinking and that could be oh. I guess hooked up somehow and translated into computer language into English and interesting <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah but like I said I can go on about these topics for hours and hours so I'm gonna have to close it now because I think I'm clocking over an hour with today's episode so thank you very much for coming on to my uh, to my episode um, before I leave are there any parting thoughts or parting stuff you want to advise for listeners um I guess uh, parting advice for listeners um don't let your stuttering hold you back um you can you can do any any um, type of job. Even even um, don't um, let any thoughts you know come into your head that you, that you think you can't do a certain type of job that you want to do because your your stuttering won't let you um, do anything you can dream of. I hope you enjoyed this jam-packed episode. And yes, I am back outside in my noisy backyard. And uh, before I go, I end this uh, this episode. Just wanted to mention that uh, remember scenario scenariate veteran listeners might remember way back when I had Grant Meredith, my friend who. Um, was working on something called Scenariate, where they had video, um, videos, short videos of scenarios, speaking scenarios, that allowed uh, you know people who stu- who stutter and you know even those who don't stutter um, to practice uh, those types of speaking in those types of situations. It's called Scenariate, and so I guess phase one is done, and now they're working on phase two to make it bigger and better. And they need your help. Yes, they are crowdfunding it, which fancy term for um, you know fundraising for it. But you get a piece of the pie. So all the details are at possible.com/scenario. That's possible with a Z. Um, I will have the link in the show notes. But first, here's the audio from their their um, I guess profile video <laughs> describe describing it. Stuttering is a speech disorder that interrupts the flow of speech with involuntary blocks, repetitions and prolongations. It directly affects 1% of the world's population through to adulthood. In addition, people who stutter may also experience poor self-esteem, social anxieties and negative feelings of self-worth. Imagine then the unfulfilled destinies the opportunities that are not followed, and the overall cost to the individual and to society. Hello, my name is Grant Meredith, and I am a person who stutters. I'm also a lecturer and a researcher from the University of Ballarat in Australia. In 2011, we released a DVD called Scenariade, a DVD containing 25 digitally recorded scenarios for a person who stutters to work through. The reasons of use included the support of speech therapy and to combat social anxieties. The scenarios which were included were commonly encountered ones and at times ones which are also commonly avoided by people who stutter. 
over 1,000 copies of the DVD were released worldwide for free to people who stutter, to speech therapists and to related academics. We surveyed some of the users. The results were very encouraging and indicated that the DVD improved the user's general levels of fluency, helped the user to ease social anxiety, increased the user's general feelings of self-confidence, helped the user to self-critique their own progress. As a result of this feedback and the growing demand for Scenariaid, we recently developed and, and released free of charge Scenariaid as a website. A website with over 100 digitally recorded scenarios covering even more commonly encountered situations. Within the first month of release, we had thousands of hits, hundreds of registered users and global praise. Current feedback tells us even more about the positive effects of Scenariate and importantly, how to make it an even stronger application. Based on this feedback, our next major step is to make Scenariate even more accessible, specifically making it available across mobile platforms. This will enable people to access it more flexibly within their daily lives. And importantly, access will not be confined only to a home computer. With your help, we can help to alleviate the loss to society that stuttering brings. Imagine the difference that you can bring into the lives of so many people the world over. And the wealth of experience, creativity and happiness that you can help bring back into society. Together, we can make a difference. I'm really excited about this project, so um, I, I was more than happy to offer my pledge. So, you know, fun, it's fun to be a part of it, even in their, um, uh, what's that called again, uh, the virtual world, uh, in their second life environment that they have. You can see a bit of stuttering is cool in there as well. <laughs> now, Scenario 8 was just nominated this year for an Excellence in Accessible, in Accessible Communities Award. Um, as part of the 2013 National Disability Awards in Australia, so not bad, not bad at all. Congra congratulations on on that grant, and um, yeah. So please do consider offering um, a bit of um, you know uh, funding for this, and you'll be part of uh, something something great. So all the details again on the Possible Scenario site. Link in the show notes. Look for episode 159. Well, until then, looks like uh, there's a storm coming, so I better uh, walk back inside before I get hit by lightning. Uh, until then, um, you know, may your stuttering always be with confidence. <laughs> Ciao.